In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Betches Media presents. If you feel depressed and if you feel anxious and you feel confused, you know what? Welcome to the club. Gazpacho police. Oh my God! What a stupid son of a bitch. He believes that it's a woman's right, it's a woman's body, and it's her choice. The Betches Sup Podcast. Sayonara, sucker! Hello, hello. I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Caitlin Bird. And this is the Badges Up Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. Good morning, gang. How did how did we sleep last night? I slept terribly. Um, I mean, it's crazy to field a lot of like questions about if you're okay and alive throughout the day. <laughs> Those are some <laughs> micro traumas. Yeah. 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 I just kept getting... As people that I knew in other parts of the country started either like waking up or checking the news for the first time, it was like throughout the day I was getting like, hey, I'm sorry, I just saw what happened in Brooklyn. Are you okay? And I'm like, I mean, obviously I appreciate every single person, but it was just funny because it was like I... Every time I was trying to like put a diff- go to a different part of my day, someone else right, would, right, right. was finding out about it for the first time and wanted to make sure I was okay, which again is very nice, but it's just like, oof. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually have a friend who live who's that's her express stop, and so <sighs> that was actually my first like instinct was to go check on on her um, because I know that she she does. Um, commute. She has a job that she cannot work from home for. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, just checking in. It's like, are you okay? Like, and, and everything like that. But overwhelmingly, I was surprised. Um, I mean, I'm always find it deeply grateful again, as somebody <laughs> who's like, my family is here. Mm-hmm. So I was just like checking in and making sure people hadn't been doing you know, anything that would put them in the area, but mm-hmm. over, I don't live in that part of, Brooklyn's very large. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just to be clear, Brooklyn is quite large. That area is not anywhere close to many other areas that you, perhaps you have heard of. Williamsburg is the, in fact, the exact opposite direction. So like, there's a lot of people who are just like, oh my God, I heard something happened in Brooklyn. It's like, Okay, but that's like hearing like something happened in the United States. Yeah, from Brooklyn my is quite like it's just mo- like a huge portion of of Long Island, and obviously where where I am in Manhattan is is nowhere even close. So I don't know. Just last night, like obviously this isn't the same thing as the Boston bombing. It's different, but I just I couldn't sleep because I just was like, this person is still out there, and I just think that as they chase him, he's going to become potentially more dangerous as he feels as he feels cornered. It's uh, it's been rough, but we're going to discuss some follow ups. Obviously, we're fine. We're very privileged. Yeah. Um, the, the scenes from yesterday were just like heinous. I, I think that's why it was we we're used to seeing mass shootings. Right. But I haven't seen like bloodied people coming out of our subways before, you know, to see it in your own setting was very it just shifted something. It was very disturbing. Yeah, it was. I mean, 
It was tough, like, even today, you know, getting, writing things up for the newsletter, more, every, like, new detail that you learn is so scary as a New Yorker or whatever. Like, I didn't realize that he had started when the train, like, on the train, he opened fire on the train and then it got to the station. I thought it was, like, all in the station. And so something about that detail just really, really scared me because that's, like, you're, you're trapped on the train if someone puts out he like did two smoke canisters or whatever i just can't imagine something scarier mm-hmm. than that mm-hmm. yeah so we're going to discuss some follow-ups from this attack of course because it's not just a new york story this is a huge national story um and a lot of the themes that are coming up now and will come up are going to be common themes we're going to see potentially even in the midterms but especially from our our politicians who lead cities or want to lead them as of this morning a man named frank james has moved from person of interest to suspect a person and this is at uh, about 12 we started at 12 at noon eastern time Uh, a a person of interest means they think this person has information about the crime and suspect means they think they did it so like a full 24 hours after the attack actually probably like 26 or 27 hours is when we got the thing on our phone saying please look out for this man The New York Times found some background information on James. He appears to be the same person who posts, he's a black man who appears to be the same person who posts these rants uh, to a YouTube channel that the New York Times described as bigoted rants. I didn't watch any of them, but they looked quite unhinged. He was posting videos from hotels throughout the past few weeks. He has addresses in Wisconsin and Philadelphia. Neighbors of the suspect in Wisconsin told the New York Times that they thought he was like a little bit of an unusual dude, but you know, who doesn't have a weird neighbor? But they also told the paper that they were just surprised that James could even move fast enough to pull something like this off. This brings us to what appear to be, can call them failures, we can call them mishaps, we might, we'll see what the police decide to call them, but <laughs> some some mishaps with the law enforcement and the tools we pay for to help them. I mean, this is just what I keep thinking about is that like, you know, we just did our taxes, the fucking money. I want I want my money back <laughs> because of this. After we recorded yesterday, Mayor Eric Adams did confirm that a security camera at the 36th Street stop was not working. And I believe just to, this comes after just months ago. I, I believe he, he said that that was going to be addressed and that cameras had been fixed. Patrol also might not have stopped train traffic early enough that could have allowed the suspect to get away. (laughs) And as we said yesterday, there's just like, there's already police everywhere. Um, I mean, I saw a lot of people tweeting like, if you don't know that that our police presence is unusual, I guess we're just so used to it. But people say that when they come, people were pointing out that when they come to New York, it can feel like a police state, especially in the past six months when they've put a lot of uh, cops in subways and they're just stopped everywhere. And there are obviously homeless people everywhere and they are either nicely trying to assist them, but usually just trying to, you know, remove them for being, being a blight. As we said yesterday, there are police everywhere. This attack still happened. And the city budgeted 10 billion dollars for the nypd in 2020 that's that's as much as congress is just authorized to fight like covid for the next six months in the in the whole nation next year eric adams wants all city agencies to cut their budgets by three percent so that's that's education that's housing that's that's like child care programs that's every every agency with the exceptions of course of the nypd and the department of corrections So I know my question this morning, even with things unfinished and some loose ends, is just why one of the world's or the world's most expensive police force was unable to prevent this, but unable to catch a lone attacker whose neighbors say can't move fast. (laughs) 
<laughs> he's not quick on his feet. <laughs> not quick enough. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, a he's like approaching like social security age, and and we're we're paying out like pensions for all of these cops who are gonna who can't who can't catch up with him. That's, yeah. Um, I mean, it just kind of demonstrates the like ridiculousness like the inherent absurdity of being like okay cops are gonna make us safer and then like an unsafe thing happens and then they're like okay more cops i guess like what why are the the amount of cops right now not adequate apparently to do basic basic things well i was saying this in the newsletter but like any number times zero is still zero babe like it doesn't they prevented zero and you can double the amount of cops but like i mean for me it just feels it's so crazy to see you know after all of the talk that we've had about police funding and the conversation around defund the police and what it what we actually mean when we say that and how money can be allocated to different areas, you know, it's crazy that the security cameras aren't working. It's crazy that the infrastructure of the subway is such that this was more easily able to happen, that... The one cop who was there, um, his walkie-talkie wasn't working. Like, what... It, there's basic equipment things that are not up to snuff that that's where any, like, new money should be going. If we're going to send new money anywhere, it's to fix these different fail-safes that broke. It's not big to add mm-hmm. a million more cops to the subway who are just going to do the same thing. And, you know, I was when I first moved to the city, we still had stop and frisk here. So I know well, a lot, a lot of people here know what it looks like to just have yeah. cops stopping people constantly at every subway. And it's actually more unsafe. It's actually upsetting it. When I watched, when I lived here, all of the stop and frisk situations that I saw were just like young black teenagers being harassed. So I don't really see how that prevents what happened. Uh, Yesterday, and I believe it is a ma- mathematical certainty that more cops means more harassment of black teens. Yeah, obviously, sure. obviously. The thing with bringing in more cops is not only were they not only to able to prevent this, but it's like they missed it. Things will always like cops miss things. Even the best cops will probably miss things. But like adding adding more does not. Without tweaking the system, without making sure their supplies are adequate, like why does throwing another throwing a cop into the mix is not going to do anything to make the walkie-talkie work? Like, it's it's it makes no sense. It's completely senseless, and it's just going to result. I mean, a good example is that when Eric Adams ran, or he brought back that like anti-gun unit that around, I think around like you know June 2020 when we started, people started talking about what defund the police means. I think that was sort of like put to the side. He basically brought it back. It's, he frames it as like an anti-gun task force uh, to take illegal firearms off of you know off the streets. But nearly a month later, the most common charge and arrest made by the anti-gun unit was for possession of a forged instrument, such as a fake ID or stolen credit card, and or just like drug possession or possessing paraphernalia. And they've taken as many guns off the street as they have ticketed people for possession. So it's just further criminalizing people. We talked yesterday about ghost guns and how much they've been proliferated, but I don't know, I've even just been thinking about like, we know that AI police is is problematic, but it's like, can we just make these fuckers better at their jobs? Like, no, does no other job have like 
most jobs have job expectations. <laughs> Like, these are the only people that's like, well, we're just going to normally if you fail to fulfill your responsibilities, you are. It, it's known as a bad business model when you just add more people rather than rather than solving the problem. You're just going to create more problems. Yeah. One of the biggest problems is that cops don't actually have a purpose like the, that is like a legal thing. Like they do not need to know the mm -hmm. law. They can they can be complete ignorance of the law and enforce it. It's kind of like. But what like how are you supposed to enforce laws that you don't even know whether or not they're laws you don't need to you have no uh right to protect you, cops are not supposed to protect you i know that that sounds <laughs> completely insane mm -hmm. but in fact there is no legal right to protection so if there's like a shootout on a train <laughs> or something like that turns out the cop has absolutely no <laughs> responsibility to step into that situation mm -hmm. and defend people um so like there's there's like multiple layers in which it's like we have created a, a basically harassment and surveillance state these are agents of harassment and surveillance they're not there to enforce laws not really because they don't need to know the law they're not there to protect citizens that they don't they have no obligation to do so um they aren't there to prevent crime not that that could be done um like what does that even mean are they supposed to be psychic and figure out like this person is is a future criminal like exactly yeah okay exactly. Cool minority report um <laughs> it's just like it it continues to be like a blatantly obvious and problematic structure where it's like, what are these people here to do? And we just want to pump more money into it because we have, the status quo does not need evidence. They don't need facts. They don't need anything. They can just say, let's make police responsible for everything. You had bad parents? Cool, we'll fix that with some police. It's also wild to me because so much of these budgets, like when they say like, oh, 10 billion for police, like some of that is to just create more cops. But also a lot of it is just for bizarre gadgets for them to have like insane guns. I mean, I think we talked about this yesterday, but Eric Adams did that photo shoot with a robot dog that can eat smoke. <laughs> I Googled it. That dog is $75,000. And... It's a, it's like a smoke eating dog. I'm not really, I'm not, at one point they were like, it can detect smoke. I'm like, well, we have that technology and we've had that for a long time. So we have eyes. <laughs> <laughs> like I, we, we do not need a $75,000 smoke detector, but it's, I mean, it's, but then we, then they're like, oh, we need to increase the budget and we need to have more cops. And it's like, no, maybe we just need to reroute the budget we already have to make sure that the security cameras work in all of the subway stations and that the cops who we already have have working walkie talkies like maybe instead of a tank he can have a walkie talkie that works mm -hmm. I, I just think about have you guys ever watched like a british true crime show where like you know they have they have cctv everywhere they have it fucking everywhere and i'm not saying that's the solution but like if you watch a british like they that you can tail somebody just from the fucking cameras in london and then just the contrast to hear that we didn't this one camera in brooklyn but also it's of course it, it wasn't working like had you asked me two days before that attack do you think that camera's working i would have said no absolutely not <laughs> absolutely not that camera's not working why is yeah. everything so janky here 
It's it. There's actually an explanation for this, and it starts with George Pataki and Rudolph Giuliani. But the broader <laughs> is that the beginning like, of every good story does. The beginning of every great story. Um, no, but fundamentally, there is a lack of respect for urban spaces in this country, and that starts and ends with the greatest and biggest city in the United States. And like, it's very hard to argue that New York is not emblematic of some really large structural problems that our government has with investing mm-hmm. in urban spaces and believing that they are, that cities have an important part, is an important part of the American ecosystem. We, we mass transit funding, like feds basically don't invest in mass transit. I'm so um, sad Millie's not here today because she's our most impassioned urbanist. She would be like going off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 very it's I'm I'm very much in the same place. It's mm-hmm. like we yep. we have deliberately undermined cities, and we've been doing it for a really long time. I you're I a lifelong stop New Yorker. The reapportion, permanent reapportionment act of 1929, which explicitly ignored the 1920 census to go back to the 1910 census, so that way they could ignore how big cities had gotten and prevent. Um, the country from being dominated by you know majorities. Yeah, we got how like the, the all all the boroughs have how many people and how many reps? Not enough. Like yeah, no, not we're no we're nowhere close, and that's part of the the granular problem, right? Is that the problems of city dwellers? I mean, you've got like close to a quarter, like three quarters of a million people being represented by one congressperson. Mm-hmm. And then right. it's like, okay, well, Wyoming has seven times as much represent, like you are getting so much more granular representation as from Liz Cheney Ugh, yeah. than you are from <laughs> Ocasio-Cortez. And yep. like, that's a structural problem that yeah. has nothing to do with their individual capacities or offices. And like that happens when you, it's like, it's why New York City subways do not have the resources that they actually need. They they don't get the repairs. They don't get the updates. These are, are bigger things. And then you get into bigger and bigger things like housing in the city um, you know, the anti-Asian hate crimes that have been suffused from rhetoric from the top, from Trump, and then the lack of rhetoric in some ways from Democrats saying like, this is unacceptable. It, it mm-hmm. just, it becomes a melange of terrible things. Yeah. yeah. And that's for all cities, obviously, not just New York City. If you live in any densely populated area, you probably aren't getting the same representation. And yeah, that makes so much sense that we just literally don't have as many people in D.C. who can be like, we need money for our security cameras who are watching thousands of people circulate a single subway station. Maybe they don't need another stop sign in Wyoming. I don't know. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Because now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click Gift Mode in your Etsy app or Etsy.com and then answer a few questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you a curated gift idea list based on hundreds of personas. Now it is simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. 
Some of my favorite things to do are go to Etsy gift mode and then search absurd things like what kind of gifts do you have with Walter Cronkite on them? What kind of gifts do you have for dachshund owners? There's jewelry, ceramic, toys, board games, all kinds of fun stuff. A gifting moment is always right around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com, newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental, change your clothes. I also want to spend a second talking about the media coverage of events like this. I've been referencing the New York Times a lot, but there has been criticism of how they've covered this that I think is reflected in how some of our politicians react or will react as well. I don't think it is just the New York Times. I certainly think outlets like The Post and obviously Fox News are are way worse, but they're the paper of record. They They have a ton of subscribers. And more importantly, they have a ton of subscribers outside of the city. So I think they are really, I think that I saw a lot of, People, this is an original thought. I saw a lot of people say yesterday that what people think crime is like in New York City, New Yorkers have a totally different understanding or perception of it than people that live outside the city. I mean, we heard from family members. I have I have my wedding coming up, and I know that that family members were probably like, "Ooh, Brooklyn," you know, and that's great. Yeah. That's crazy to me. I have noticed that a lot. Um, I mean, leading up to my wedding, and then also after, I've just been asked by a lot of family members outside the city, like about crime or if I have noticed crime or <laughs> have been a victim of crime and I'm like <laughs> at least have you been a victim no. of crime yeah you I'm like, I'll let you know um if I am but yeah you'll know check your 401k that's <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> have you seen my rent <laughs> <laughs> no I definitely still feel safer in my New York City apartment than I would living in like a house alone in the suburbs where all the true crimes happen? No, thank you. Yeah, exactly. I definitely feel safer, like, walking home from the subway than I would, like, jogging in a neighborhood. And we are, we're both white women, so that's, 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 that has a huge impact on that. But, um, yeah. No, I I think that, like, uh, I mean, it's really hard because, you know, I, I've been here. So, like, I was here, I grew up in the 90s in New York. Um, so, like, when people were like, oh, is there, like, a lot of crime? I'm staring at them like, 
what are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean that it's it's like perfectly. First of all, have you gotten humans together? It is unsafe. That just 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 by uh, uh, aggregating humans, you have made yourself unsafe. It doesn't matter how big or small the group is. We've all seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Now, <laughs> but the, the point is, is that like, you know, New York has actually had like pretty significant drops in crime over the years. And there's a certain amount of, especially projected outwards. It's like, if it bleeds, it leads, which yeah. is like a very old news maxim. And then you've got like the certain sense of like, ooh, you know, it's it's the only major city that is majority minority. Um, so that adds even more where it's like, you have no idea who could be skulking. And it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, there are increases in all of this, but like, let's talk about poverty. Let's talk about that the largest school district in the country has one in 10 of its students housing insecure or homeless. Let's talk about the fact that rents are rising faster. If, if people who are not from New York or, or don't live here, don't understand that you're required to have um, in order to legally sign a lease. You're supposed to have 40 times uh, an income in rent. So you need to take the rent, multiply it by 40, and that's how much you're supposed to have. The median income in the city is just under, in 2019, before, in the before times, was just under $70,000. That was for a family. That is- That's not enough to rent an apartment. To divide that by 40, there's no way. Yeah. And then like rents are like way higher, even for like a one bedroom. So you now have like multiple people trying to live in spaces that are too small because we can't, they can't afford, they can never afford to buy. And there's no hope of, of keeping a roof over their head unless you gather enough people that you're making, you know, six figures once you combine the incomes of five or six people. And remember that minimum wage in New York City is $15, which works out to about $30,000 a year. Yeah. This is not sustainable in any meaningful way. So structurally, we are not helping people survive on the basics right now. We don't, ha I mean, the pandemic threw everything out. We still haven't recovered the jobs from that. There's so much damage happening to the city and everyone's going around being like, okay, well, some people, homeless people or unhoused people are like attacking people with hammers. And I'm like, that that is just, yes, that is obviously a problem. I don't want to downplay that trauma, but like there are much larger structural forces that no one wants to address. So you're tossing it onto, oh, this is crime. And it's like, Right. They're just because if you would if you would read the New York Times coverage of this, you would think that all the things that Caitlin just mentioned have absolutely nothing to do with crime, which like empirically it does. So just some examples of the specific coverage. One example was that yesterday they first published a story with a very straight headline that said people shot in Brooklyn subway. And then they later changed it to shooting in subway station heightened simmering fears. When you're reading articles on the Times, there's always a portal that says, like, here's what else you need to know, like all websites. And sometimes these are auto-populated, but usually an editor selects them or can select them. And just people were pointing out that all of the content associated with the attack yesterday connected it to growing fears about New Yorkers about crime. Like there's a single boogie crime man that we are all petrified of and that the only solution is more police, I would say, was that that's the biggest thing they point out. And, you know, I've, I've been getting a lot of feedback from our audience recently that something they like about the podcast is that we can sort of like 
have conversations about how our opinions change with more information. And this is sort of an example of that for me. Like I saw this thread last night and I do have a personal connection to the New York Times Metro desk. So that probably was part of it. But I was like, didn't think that these attacks were necessarily fair. I was like, why are you why are you picking on this wording? And, um, you know, my dear fiance unpacked it all for me and now <laughs> is very pleased that I'm now discussing it on, on the podcast today. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is like I said, this is the paper of record and the, the words that they choose to use are going to affect millions of people's opinions outside of the city. And like we were saying, it just they're just quoting police and government officials who want them to think that crime is this untamable monster, that it is not their fault, and that all that can help is more police. So all they were quoting yesterday were government officials saying, we are going to respond to this with more police. Um, just you know, taking their quotes, not appearing to, to challenge them. So critics of the Times coverage just pointed out that you know, to refer to this attack as like part of a broader narrative of the more crime is also bad faith because this was so unusual. I think that's why it shook us so much. We haven't seen an attack that this person definitely planned, uh, it seems, whereas in the past they've been a little bit more random. More broadly, when reporters cover the police, like I said, they often use the police and other law enforcement government officials as the sources. And as Caitlin said, when we're talking about crime in the U.S., we have to talk about mental health. We have to talk about the insane numbers of guns we have in this country. So like I mentioned, I you know originally thought that the thread that I pulled a lot of this information from was being very nitpicky and just wasn't being being helpful. And I was trying to figure out, like, are publications like the New York Times, are they falling into traps laid for them? Or are they, act, do they have an active interest in promoting cop propaganda that helps them? Or is it more, Caitlin, just the bleeds it leads? It's all about the media narratives or the media landscape and incentives. <laughs> I, I guess I'll start. Um, I mean, I think that these are symbiotic institutions. Like, the New York Times has always been a status quo paper. It's never been, like, bleeding edge. Like, hey, maybe we should change things. Famously, if you go back through its archives, it's like, Hitler, not really a big deal. And... You know, like mm -hmm. segregation, we could probably keep it longer. Like it just has a lot of opinions that are terrible um, over the years. And it's that's because of an editorial bent that is, again, very regressive to the status quo. Um, so like cops are the status quo and police, police are like an easy shortcut. You know, people think I want to feel safe and white people in particular have been told that police are a form of being safe, you know, police interact with white people very well. Um, most people think of cops as their neighbors and friends. Um, mo people know, uh, very uh, a lot of people know officers um, or detectives or whatever. And we are deluged in like law and order and, mm -hmm. you know, all, every single law enforcement show, like they wrap it up within half an hour. All of them are motivated by good reasons. None of them are on the take. And <laughs> they all go home to two and a half kids and a, you know, picket fence and try to be better people every day. It's mm -hmm. like, <laughs> no, it's not real. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It just, I mean, honestly, all of this just kind of, and the, the reliance on the police as like first sources I imagine it is easier to get 
the police's side as a story comes out and people have to put stories out. But you have to remember, like, the Minneapolis Police Department on the day of George Floyd's death put out that press release that initially got reported that what that he like physically resisted officers and that it was like a complete whitewashing of obviously what we now know to be like one of the most heinous crimes by a cop in like <laughs> I mean it started like a national protest movement da 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 but their initial press release was like guy acting ornery and something happened we don't know yeah. like so you would just think that now one would hope that now after we've known and seen that they are not necessarily the most reliable first source for information about stuff like this that the New York Times would include different perspectives and also the new york times has like it's like famous slogan or whatever was like all the news that's fit Fit to to print print. and so the things that they leave out it's a it's an implicit way of saying oh it's not important for us to talk about mental health or it's not important for us to talk about the fact that people are out on the street right now i know people whose rent was raised by over a thousand dollars and they don't know what to do and like they have to figure out where they're going by june like i when i talk to people people who ask me about the crime or what's going on in new york what i try to tell them is like yeah there's definitely a sense of desperation in the city that i haven't seen before and there's definitely a different level of human suffering that i have seen in this city but it's not i don't think of that as crime I think of that Mm -hmm. or I don't think of that as crime in the way that they think of it I think it's a crime that (laughs) rents have doubled after a pandemic and people don't have health insurance and whatever but I feel like what I see is happening is a way more as we've been talking about systemic thing that is sad and it is creating a lot of sadness and desperation and quote-unquote criminality in its wake but that's Mm -hmm. not why it's like it's not just because criminals have appeared everywhere yeah you you both said it so so well yeah so should we should we pivot to some british news absolutely (laughs) should we lighten up (laughs) well like actually i one more point on that was that like people always ask like are you scared and there's to me there's not really much point in being scared and this came out yesterday a lot because we can't i am personally not willing to change my lifestyle and a lot of people can't so like you know, Jim Shooto on CNN got some shit yesterday. We gave him some shit for being like, and it's, look at these New Yorkers getting right back to work. And it's like, homegirl can't take the day off because her rent yeah, just what do went you up. Mean? Like when our taxes are crazy to pay for the cameras that don't work. What do you mean? We're like, oh, that was just a, what another, another wild morning in New York. No. <laughs> oh, look at these New Yorkers. They just walk right by trauma and clock in. And it's they're like, gonna, we don't want to do that. Actually, yeah, This is not, they're going to fuck The rent has doubled. And if I don't go to work, I will lose my home. So oh, God. yeah, I saw a shooting and had to walk to work. Like I just hope they don't put this in, in just like that. No, oh I, I get it. I get it. Um, but, you know, the city survived after 9-11. And I think like you when you go through an experience like that, like there's a certain amount of resilience from New York, who has been a first strike city since nuclear weapons were developed. Like you're, you're just a sense like you could at any moment experience this thing. And it's like, you know, my parents did duck and cover drills. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's not, It ultimately, when you stop and think about it, it's like, you know what? We're going to have to live life. We're going to have to continue doing what we do. 
there's no way around this. This is the nature of being in one of the a world class city, and you know, like there there are just going to be experiences. The thing that bothers me is like how normalized gun violence has become in our country. That we like that happens everywhere, and that to me is more problematic. That people have to get up and go back to work after a shooting or mm-hmm. something like that because. We just accept that guns are a way of life here. And that does not happen other places. So, like, yeah, dealing with, like, a terrorist attack, like, people in London got up again. Like, you just, people in Barcelona, like, you get up again. Mm -hmm. But that, the the level of just casual gun violence that happens in our lives, that shit's weird. And Mm -hmm. that, that should make us all stop. Yeah. And that was also something that people were pointing out just in the coverage of this, which is like anytime we're talking about a mass shooting, we should talk about the just incredibly aberrant amount of guns in our country compared to other countries such as England. England. Pit, pit. It's British news. <laughs> so, um, okay, today's British news also is brought to you by a personal plug from me. Oh, yes. Um, before we get into it, I did want to let all of our sub listeners know that I have two live shows coming up that I would love to see you all at. Number one, um, in Brooklyn, uh, we have a live show called Just Married that I host with my husband. That's Friday, April 22nd at 8.30 p.m. at Eris in Williamsburg. It's Bachelor Party themed, so we're going to be playing games and doing bachelor party related activities. Uh, And then number two, this is actually... This is a sub exclusive. I haven't even posted it on Instagram yet, and I don't think I'm going to for another two days. But wow, I'm doing my first soup. ever solo show, which means like it's just me talking for probably like 45 minutes. Ah! Um, I mean, we just yeah. did it, but we were here with you. I but, know, I you know, know, but you did just yeah. just me about, about my life and whatnot. Um, so that's going to be May 12th at 7 p.m. at Under St. Mark's here in New York in Manhattan. I don't I, I don't even have a ticket link yet. I just want to get it in people's minds. And that also is going to be live streamed. So people oh, cool. who aren't in New York can watch it. And Amazing. with that word from our sponsor, <laughs> it's British News. Um, <laughs> All right, guys. Prime Minister Boris Johnson has been fined by London's Metropolitan Police for Partying, this is all in relation to hashtag Partygate, which is uh, a scandal that's been going on in England for a while. Basically, Johnson violated restrictions on indoor gatherings back in June of 2020 uh, when he and his team held a birthday party. It, it, there were like a bunch of different parties. There was a bunch of parties. There, there was a lot of parties. Basically, another thing to remember is that England actually locked down yeah. in a way that like, I mean, in New York, we really we had like a lockdown, lockdown. And in major cities, we had lockdown, lockdowns. But all of England had a serious lockdown where it was like, you're actually not leaving the house. So and it was seriously enforced as well. But now it's come out that during all of this time, Boris Johnson was having parties at 10 Downing Street, which is like their little prime minister's house. Um at the time he was having these parties, people were only allowed to socialize outdoors in groups of six, and there were no indoor gatherings permitted. So <laughs> definitely not cool at all. Johnson never denied that this happened, but he questioned if it counted as a gathering, which I think is really funny. It's like, no, there were just 
kind of a lot of people in that, but in the house, yeah. but we weren't gathered. We weren't together. <laughs> we weren't together. We were there. There were some were upstairs, some were downstairs. Um, so his, basically his team seems to be trying to take the fall for this, saying that they, that it was actually a surprise party and that they <laughs> were like, oh, <laughs> oops, we, he, it, Boris didn't know because it was a surprise. And it's like, okay, but you could stop it after the surprise, yeah. whatever. This is one of many gatherings that happened at Downing Street. They happened at the height of the pandemic. One big party reportedly happened the night before Prince Philip's funeral, um, which is kind of sad. It was so sad because it was like such a viral picture of the queen sitting alone. And because of the and then to find out that like the leaders were just like. Philip's funeral had to abide by these rules. The queen had to be alone at the funeral, but Boris Johnson was having parties. I think they also find his, yes, basically their like treasury secretary, the chancellor of the Exchequer or whatever. Mm -hmm. People are calling Um, for them both to resign, which does not seem. Yeah, I mean, people, this is. I feel like from afar, it seems like maybe it's not that big of a scandal, but it's actually an enormous scandal and people are really, really pissed because, I mean, I get it. Like, if you had had to be in lockdown, lockdown, you can't, it, it is illegal for you to have a gathering of more and that's actually being enforced and then you, you find out he's having yeah. Christmas parties, a birthday party, et cetera, et cetera. I'd be pissed too. Yeah, I feel like if you if you like want a party, it sounds like going into government in the UK is a great route because <laughs> they're just well, like according always to Madison doing cocaine. Cawthorn, you could also True. be a Republican. <laughs> I think Madison Cawthorn belongs in Parliament. I was can about take to say, a- like he he's he's missed his calling. Born in the wrong place. Yeah, born in the wrong place. They can take him. They can take him. Uh, that is our show for today. Until the end of democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Caitlin Burry. And this is the Betcha Sub Podcast. Bye. Bye. The Betcha Sub Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Jorge Morales Pico, and Sean Kilby. Editing by Jorge Morales Pico. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails to suppod at betches.com. Betches.